All right, so Yah wants us to study the book of Joshua from the individual perspective of Joshua being the son of Nun. That is, the son we sprouted, a born, a born again type um, person, a man in whom the Ruach HaKodes resides. Collectively, we're speaking of those who have went through their wilderness experience, have endured as tests and trials by holding on to Elohim. They have borne the whoredom of their parents and forefathers, yet they have their old man, that is, their flesh man, and his lust broken down, humbled, and deadened. As a result, they're no longer fleshly or worldly, but are now reborn spiritually via the water of the word in Ruach HaKodesh. Within the book of Joshua, we can expect to learn the plan of Elohim concerning the body of Yahushua, i.e. his ecclesia. Those born-again believers that make up spiritual, uh, and those born-again believers that make up spiritual Israel. We'll learn how to enter into the kingdom of Elohim, what to expect one sin, as well as how to proceed one sin. Another perspective that we'll be exploring is that of the land and the inhabitants of the land and how the land of Canaan speaks to the kingdom of Elohim within each and every one of the believers. And how its inhabitants relate to the remnants of the fallen angels, demons, devils, and other unclean spirits which currently inhabit the land inherit, inherited by the born-again believer. So, that said, we're in Joshua, and today we want to talk about what we learned from the Gibeonites. You know, y'all just wouldn't let me pass on to chapter 11. Um, without doing this review, just to make certain that everything was clear as to what we learned or what should have been learned from the Gibeonites. You know, so that said, the main thing we learned from the Gibeonites is when you're in the kingdom of Elohim, some of the enemies within you may, may not try to fight you. Within the kingdom of Elohim, some of the enemies may not try to fight you. Instead, they may willingly, that is, try to deceive you. See, that's another way to come at Yah's people. You know, some of them may not look to fight you. Instead, they may try to deceive you. We learned this from the Gibeonites. You know, why? Even because of Joshua 9, 1 through 6, my first reader, please. And it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side of Jordan, in the hills and in the valleys and in the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, heard thereof, that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and Ai, they did work wildly and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their donkeys and wine bottles old and rent and bound up and old shoes and clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal, and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We become from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. Hallelujah. Okay, so hereby we learn that the reason for the deception is to make league with us. 
Now, I want you to understand that some of our enemies in the kingdom of, within the kingdom of Elohim that is within you, you know, or even, you know, some of the, those outside of you while you're in the kingdom, they will come. Instead of trying to fight with you, they will try to make a league with you. They try to make a league with us. And so question is, what is a league? This word league is Bereath, number 1285. It speaks to a covenant. They'll try to covenant with us. Now, why would our enemies want to make a covenant with us? Even because they know that Yah is with us, and as long as Yah is with us, they have no chance of defeating us in a fight. So some of them get a little wiser. And instead of fighting, they seek to covenant with us. You know, Luke 16, 8 teaches us, says, And Adonai commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. You know, the enemy is crafty. You have to understand, don't take them lightly. You know, just because we had a victory don't mean that we don't have a formidable fall. You know, our enemies, that is the unclean spirits, the devils, the fallen angels, or the peoples they influence or control, whether they, uh, whether we come across them via visitation, residence within us mentally, or by their dwelling within us physically through manifestations within our flesh, yes, they can manifest in your flesh. They understand some things about us and Yah that we oftentimes don't understand ourselves. For instance, they know that if they can covenant with us, then we're on the hook to honor that covenant from that point on. As long as they keep their end of the bargain, we're on the hook to honor that covenant. Did you catch that? That's huge. Furthermore, they understand what we cannot do unto them. Even though we may want to with all our hearts. We have an example of what I'm speaking about within the story of the Gibeonites. Let us consider Joshua 9, 15 through 19, my next reader, please. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swore to them. And it came to pass at the end of three days after they had made a league with them that they heard that they were their neighbors and they dwelt among them. And the children of Israel journeyed and came into the cities on the third day. Now the cities were Gibeon, Chepari, Betharoth, and Kerjath, Jerim. And the children of Israel smote them not because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by Yahuwah Elohim of Israel. And all the congregation murmured against the princes but all the princes said unto the congregation, but all the princes said unto all congregations, We have sworn unto them by Yahuwah, Elohim of Israel. Now therefore we may not be we may not touch them. Okay, so we see that Joshua and the leaders they made a covenant with them, a league, which we learned is a covenant, right? They made a covenant with the enemy. You know, and so therefore the children of Israel could not smoke them. 
They couldn't kill him because they made covenant with him. So we see in verse 19, it says, because, you know, we have sworn unto them by Yahweh Elohim of Israel, now therefore we may not touch them. So understand that once the covenanted believer of Yahushua, once the covenant believer enter into any type of covenant agreement or understanding with the enemy, that from that point on, we can't just evict them whenever we feel like it. We can't bind them. We can't loose them. We can't cast them out or make any demands for them to leave us alone. For they now have a right to be there and to do certain things within our lives. Did you catch that? Once you've covenanted with the enemy, you can't just change your mind and do whatever you please. Once the covenanted believer of Yah has given his word, his word is like Yah's word. It cannot be broken. Understand that. That said, what are some ways we can unknowingly receive unclean spirits and possibly even covenant with our enemies today. Mm. One way is through sexual immorality. This is a this is a, a big way. This is a big way. See, when the two come together they become one. Amen? Amen. Consider what this immorality leads to. Consider Romans 1, 22 through 28. It says, professing them to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible Elohim into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, Elohim also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of Elohim into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. See, a lot of people are fall victim to worshiping Yah's creation more so than him. Whether his creation be the sun, the moon, or the stars, or whether it be he, she, or it, or them, or they, or whatever they want to be called these days. Yeah. Say lie. Now, it goes on to say, for this cause, for this cause, Elohim gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain Elohim in their knowledge, Elohim gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So, from not worshiping the creator, but instead 
worshiping the creation, there's a price to pay. Yah gives one over to vile affections. So that is definitely one way you can get trouble in your life. You know, especially after you become, you know, a born again believer and you invite something like this into, into the kingdom of Elohim that you, the part of the kingdom of Elohim that you reside in. 1 Corinthians 6.16 says, What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall become one flesh? Now I want you to think about that for a minute. Ye, he which is joined to an harlot is one body. So what is that telling us? That's telling us, okay, so for instance, this, this is one way to interpret that. For instance, say you get with someone and they have an unclean spirit. Say you get with someone and they worship the creation rather than the creator. They into whatever they're into, which is unseemly. You know, maybe it's a one night stand, maybe it isn't, maybe you know concerning what they're into or maybe you don't. The point is once you join yourself to them you become one body. So if they had an unclean spirit you get an unclean spirit. If they had ten unclean spirits you, you're going to at least get five of them. You see, you open yourself to become one with them. This is one of the main ways spirits are transferred. Now you can understand why lasciviousness is promoted Everywhere. Everywhere about you. In many different facets. Because this is a major way of transference. Here's another. Let's see what we have here. Alcohol. Drugs. Uh, both illegal as well as pharmaceutical. Yes, some of everything. This is another doorway for spirits to come in. So much, in fact, that, you know, if you read a lot of the whiskey bottles or the liquor bottles, they tell you they call them spirits. Wonder why. Think that's just by happenstance? Consider Ephesians 5.18. It says, and be not drunk with wine wearing excess, but be filled with the Ruach. You know, because if you're drunk with wine, the Ruach is not going to fill you. It's going to be those other spirits, which is why they call them spirits. Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. So hereby we learn that 
Strong drink will cause you to become raging. It will open you up to a spirit of anger. Consider Yeshayahu 5.22-24 says, Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteous of the righteous, the righteousness of the righteous from him. You know, so mighty, they, uh, woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from them. So this strong drink will open you up to spirits that will cause you to take away the righteousness of the righteous. Verse 24 goes on to say, Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, the flame consumeth the shaft, so their roots shall be as rottenness, and their blossoms shall go up as dust, because they have cast away Torah of Yahuwah Zavaot and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. See, these things open doors for spirits to come into you and wreak havoc in your life. There's yes. some people who've taken a drink and those spirits got the best of them and they're spending life in prison now because of it. Or they're dead because of it. Or, you know, they're maimed because of it. So on and so forth. Yes, Yahoo 28 7, but they also have erred through wine and through strong drink. Are they out of the way? So you see, the drinking will and the drugs will cause you to err. It will cause you to get out of the way of Yahuwah. Hence it goes on to say the priest and the prophet has erred through strong drink they are swallowed up of wine they are out of the way through strong drink they err in vision and they stumble in judgment now we all know that to be true right you know alcohol and drugs will cause you to see things you don't even see see things that's not even there to stumble in judgment this is why we have our are no drinking and driving laws, right? Right. So what does one to do if they find themselves in such a situation? Uh, before we get to that, I forgot, I got a few more. Laying of hands is another way spirits are transferred. You know, someone was, someone was kind of alluding to this earlier. But are we listening to Elohim? Or are we trying to control? You know, you can't control. You know, even as as was attested earlier, you know, you have to let go and let Yah. You can't make them do anything. You know, but there's a reason why 1 Timothy 5.22 is in scripture. It says, lay hands suddenly on no man. Neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep yourself pure. You know, neither be partaker of other men's sins. See, when you lay hands on someone, there's a transference. You know, this is the reason why during the time of the sacrifices, 
the sinner would have to lay their hand on their sacrifice to transfer the sins to the innocent animal and the innocent animal in turn be slaughtered, you know, for their sins, thereby making them clean or at least covering their sins. There's a transference. Don't let any and everyone lay hands on you. You know, you have a lot of a lot of this that's going on in uh, quote unquote churches today. But I'm here to tell you that if that person has laying hands on you, if they're filled with unclean spirits, then they can transfer some to you. And if they're not clean, when they lay hands on someone who does have spirits, they can take some of them home to their family. Or simply transfer them to the next person in line. You see how that works? Yeah. You know, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins, because you can transfer those spirits and become partakers of those sins via those spirits that will influence you to do the same things it was influencing the other person to do. Another way these unclean spirits can be transferred is through friends and associates. We also had this alluded to earlier, you know, where someone was talking about a past friend that came came back into their lives and, you know, bringing up old stuff and tempting them. You know, yes, this is one of the ways the spirits work and this is one of the ways that they can be transferred through friends and associates. So you have to be careful of that as well. And then we have music. Another major vein that spirits are transferred through. You have music that can make you <coughs> cry, feel sad, make you, you know, wanna hold on to your to your spouse, make you filled with anger and wrath. Or make you want to worship the devil in song and dance. Say la. And then we have media. This is another way spirits are being transferred, more so now today than ever before. See, prior, it was a lot more difficult. And it was more difficult because the media that we had was mostly analog. And so by it being analog, you know, it was very difficult to embed anything in the videos because it would just simply cause the media um, to fuzz up, you know, such as the television. It would cause it to fuzz up. Anybody remember when the Television used to fuzz up when they when they used to cut off and then yeah. it just shh and it just fuzz up, you know that's for yeah telling my age but you know <laughs> but yeah but then you know 
they said we want you to have a crisper, cleaner um, media experience. We want you to see a clear picture, and they switched everything to digital. It wasn't just so that you can have a clear picture. When it became digital, your television and your media outlets became more than just receivers. They became transmitters as well. So they transfer, they can receive as well as transfer. They can, they can emit as well as receive. So things can come in and out. It opens a doorway. You know, and so now today, many things are embedded in the programs. Many things are embedded within the videos and, and you know, and they have this stuff down to a science now. You know, this is why you, you see everyone walking around like they're hypnotized, like they can't, they can't stop looking at their phone. You think that's by happenstance? No, that is by design. That's by design. And ultimately, it's our head enemy, Hasatan, that's behind it. You just have to understand these things. You know, there's many other ways in which spirits are transferred. I, I just, you know, I couldn't go into all of them. But those are some of the major arteries. You know, now to add insult to injury, to later destroy or evict these enemies anyways. So you say, well, you know, I don't care nothing about that. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to evict them anyway. You know, to do so is to bring a curse upon yourself. The story of the Gibeonites teaches us this quite clearly. Let me have my next reader read 2 Samuel 21, 1 through 3. Then there was a famine in the days of David, three years, three years, year after year. And David inquired of Yahuwah, and Yahuwah answered, It is for Saul, Saul and for his bloodly house, because he slew the Gideonites. And the king called the Gideonites and said unto them, Now the, Gide now the Gideonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the children of Israel I ha had sworn unto them. And Saul sought to slay them in his cell zeal to the children of Israel and Judah. Wherefore David said unto the Gideonites, What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make the anointment that ye may bless the inheritance of Yahuwah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, can you see that because Israel slew the Gibeonites, a curse came upon Israel and they experienced a famine. <clears throat> in the days of David for three years, year after year. So what does this look like in modern day time? Maybe, you know, you stuck on stupid for three years. Maybe you can't progress for three years. Unemployed for three years. 
sick for three years, running a deficit for three years. You know, many ways this can manifest. How many of you will equate it to a curse from destroying or casting out the enemy? Probably not many, right? You know, this is a very important lesson. And, you know, I'll never forget this documentary I seen a documentary um, at some uh, a while ago, and this this documentary documentary was uh, on uh, Miles Davis, Miles Davis, famous um, uh, musician. And within this documentary, this guy was crying out. I mean, literally crying, you know, and begging and 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 crying out that someone will, someone will come and help him get some type of relief from the unclean spirits that he was dealing with. Okay. You know, some people intentionally covenant with the enemy. And then they later on regret it and decide they want to opt out. They want to get rid of the enemy. Well, it's too late. You gave your word. You know, and so all you're going to do is bring a curse upon yourself. From this event, with the Gibeonites, we're to understand that to go against the covenants we've made with the enemy is to bring a curse upon ourselves. And that Yah will side with our enemies in such a case. Even because our enemies would be in the right. And Yah is always on the side of what's right. Even when you are, Yah is always going to be on the side of what's right. So what does one to do if they find themselves in such a situation? What are they to do if they find themselves already covenanted with the enemy? You know, after they've accepted Yahshua as their Adonai, their Savior, and they've come into the, they've been born again, they've come into the kingdom of Elohim, and and they done slipped up and found and got themselves covenanted with the enemy. What are they to do? Repent. Well, yeah, they definitely should repent first and foremost. But you know, point is like this enemy is still there, and they have a right to be there, and they're not going anywhere. So what are they to do? What did they do with the Gibeonites? What, did Is, what was Israel's resolve? It's found in 2 um, Samuel 21.6 concerning the curse. He said, let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us and we will hang them up unto Yahuwah and Gibeah of Saul whom Yahuwah did choose and the king said I will give him. So hereby we learn that we must make a complete and holy atonement for the offense. <clears throat> you know, so after we've offended our enemies that we can't kick out, that we covenanted with, we have to make a complete and holy atonement for our offense. That's the only way you're going to get that curse up off of your life. 
from this event with the Gibeonites, we're to understand that we go if we go against the covenant we made with the enemy to bring a curse of uh, we'll bring a curse upon ourselves. Yes, even if the enemy tricked us into the covenant, we still have to honor the covenant. God. And to not do so is to bring a curse upon ourselves. And if we do bring a curse on, upon ourselves, the only way to get that curse off is to make atonement. So what is one to do if they find themselves covenanted with the enemy? Verse, um, it, it tells us we have to make a complete and holy atonement if we find that we've trespassed against the enemy that we've covenanted with or, or have an understanding with. We must make a complete and holy atonement for our offense. So that's the first thing that we're to do. That's the only way to get the curse up off, up off of us. You know, Consider Leviticus 7, 1 and 2. It teaches us about the trespass offering. It says, likewise, this is Torah of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering shall they kill the trespass offering. And the blood thereof shall he sprinkle about upon the altar. Now, you're to kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering. So where do they kill the burnt offering? We go to Leviticus 1.11 to learn where they kill the burnt offering. And it says, And he shall kill it on the side of the altar northward before Yahuwah. And the priest, Aaron's son, shall sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar. Now northward speaks to that which is towards the darkness. Hence it paints a, pic, a picture of the destruction of the darkened flesh. Now, darkness speaks to ignorance. So it's a picture of the destruction of the ignorant flesh. You know, the ignorant flesh that that um, has be, that is in darkness. Leviticus 3 through 5 goes on to say, And he shall offer of it all the fat thereof, the rump and the fat that covereth the inwards, the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the caul, which is above the liver, with the kidneys, it shall take, um, it shall you take away. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar for an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. It is a trespass offering. Okay, so within this trespass offering, you have to offer all the fat, and it has to be made by fire. The fat speaks to you offering your very best. Right. So in order to accomplish this, you have to give your very best. And the fire speaks to your trial, which brings about a destruction of the ignorance that caused you to trespass. Mm -hmm. So from this whole ordeal, you're to learn Yah's will, way, and purposes in this particular area so that you never make this mistake again. So that you're no longer in darkness. Your flesh is no longer in darkness. It is in the light of the fire. So, you know, so can you see this fiery trial that you endure because of your error is to provide light for you in that area from that point forward where your, your flesh no longer exists in ignorance. Now it resides in the light and you know what not to do again. Anybody follow that? So what are we to do if we find ourselves in such a situation whereby someone somehow find ourselves covenanted with our enemies? 
if we can't destroy them, if we can't get rid of them via eviction, then what are we to do? That's to get the curse up off of us. But what are we to do after that? It's found in Joshua 9, 22 and 23. It says, And Joshua called for them, and he spake unto them, saying, Wherefore have ye beguiled us, saying, We are very far from you when ye dwell among us. You lied to us. Now therefore ye are cursed, and there shall none of you be freed from being bondmen and hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my Elohim. So what are we to do? Make them slaves. To whom? Absolutely. Make them slaves to Yah. We learn here that if we find ourselves covenanted with, with our enemies, that our only recourse is to make them serve Yahuwah Elohim and Yahushua HaMashiach. See, a lot of people fall victim into making them serve them. But that's what got them in trouble in the first place. They covenanted with them because they wanted them to serve them in exchange for whatever they wanted. You know, so they let them take up housing within them in exchange for whatever they wanted. So at the end of the day, that's what got them in trouble. What they wanted. The only way that you can survive this mess is to subject them to worshiping Yah. See, and how do you subject them to worshiping Yah? By you worshiping Yah. See, because if the, enemy, if the kingdom of Elohim is within you, then the enemies of the kingdom is within you. And if you're dealing with something that's within you and you're controlling you, then all you have to do is keep serving Yah and they'll have to serve him too. Can you see that? So you can make them serve Yah. You can make them be bondmen for the house of Elohim. Well, What's the house of Elohim? Our bodies. Ye are the temple of Elohim, are you not? You can make them bondmen to serving the house of Elohim. They, by, they have to forever serve Yah. All you have to do is serve Yah. And you won't have no, no problems out of them. That's your only recourse. See, sometimes we, uh, uh, us saints find ourselves in positions where we've covenanted with these with these enemies within the kingdom, and and here hereby we have havoc being being taken taking place in our lives, you know, and we don't realize, you know, that when we went to that uh, deliverance service and. We had those folks lay hands on us suddenly, you know, and start casting out the enemy that you know that you uh, asked to, to be there. Right. 
so that you could get whatever it is you wanted. Now you got what you wanted. Now you don't want to deal with them no more. Nah, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You know, and so this is the source of a lot of people's, we'll just call them situations. A lot of believers' situations. Even because they don't understand how to operate in the kingdom of Elohim. They don't understand what was taught to the saints via the Gibeonites. This is a crucial lesson for the saints of Elohim. You know, I have to know, like, you know, when you read something in the Word, it's not there by happenstance. If it made it in the Word, it's important. And this is a very important lesson. You know, and a lot of people, you know, they, they find themselves in these situations and they can't figure out, well, why? You know, I accepted Yahshua. You know, um, you know, I, I done went to the deliverance ministries. I done, you know, I done did everything, you know, that I can think to do to get rid of this situation that I'm dealing with day in and day out. And they don't realize that they're the cause. They don't realize that instead of fighting against them, they have to make atonement. Complete and holy atonement. They have to make things right with, with their enemies that's within them. And then they have to make them bomb in to serving Yahuwah by serving Yahuwah themselves. Say la. But how can we avoid getting into such a situation in the first place? Well, that's easy. That was taught in Joshua 9, 14. It says, and the men took up their vigils and asked them not counsel at the mouth of Yahuwah. And asked not counsel at the mouth of Yahuwah. That's right. All this could have been avoided if they'd only asked counsel at the mouth of Yahuwah. So, Make certain. See, sometimes we just we get into we get into these situations, and you know we're so used to being our own boss. Let me put it another way: we so used to being grown. Yeah, I like that way better. We so used to being grown that we just do what we want to do. But Yahshua said, "Except ye come into the kingdom as a little child." You won't get in. So if you in, then you're supposed to be as a little child. And little children don't do nothing without the permission of their parents. So we're to be like little children. We're to ask before we do any and everything. And this is what will keep us out of trouble. This is what will keep us safe. If Israel would have asked counsel at the mouth of Yahuwah, they wouldn't have never went through all that because he would have told them, no, those people live right around the corner. So understand that. Consider 
1 Corinthians 10, 6 through 12, it says, Now these things were our examples. Speaking of scripture, all that preceded them. They were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Mashiach as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition. You and I, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Yeah, that's us. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. See, we're to look at these things and we're to understand these things and we're to apply these principles and these lessons to our lives so that we don't fall victim to what they fail to. We're going to make some mistakes. We're going to slip up, but we shouldn't slip up in the same ways they slipped up. Because we should learn from their lessons. This is why y'all gave us the examples. See, they were like the children. We're supposed to be the more mature believers. See, they were like the children because they, they just came out of, out of Misraim. They didn't know anything about Yah. There were no scriptures for them to read. They didn't know anything. They didn't even know where, where they were going. They just had to follow the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Not so with us. We know the whole plan. We have it. It's laid out for us in scripture. All we have to do is adhere to it. I always like to give the analogy that, you know, this life is like a final book exam. It's like a final exam. An open book final exam. Open book final exam. There's no reason why any of us should flunk this final because you have your whole life to take the test. And whenever you don't know something, all you got to do is look in the book and find the answer. So there's no reason for anyone to flunk this final. But so many of would-be saints are flunking. 